This episode brought to you by Manscaped. Use code REVISITED for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Did you fix it yet? No. I'll go back for the other boat. What? Where are you going, Mr. Fat Jack? Back to the dock. It's only a few miles. I can swim it. I'll be back with the little boat. The little boat? Yeah, just a few miles in shark-infested waters because Jaws took place right up the coast, including the original event that inspired the movie Jaws, the Matawan shark attacks. Anyway, everybody, welcome back to another episode of 80s Revisited as we celebrate Thanksgiving here on the podcast. With me, as always, myself, Trey Harris, and the splish to my splash producer extraordinaire, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And that's right. Talking about Thanksgiving continues with Splash. now, this is a movie I saw a lot as a kid. Uh, I honestly have probably haven't seen this movie until I watched it last week. Probably in maybe 20 years, maybe even more. But I always kind of remembered the, you know, a lot of big moments out of, of it. Wink, wink, wink. A uh, couple of big moments as a kid. But uh, I, remember, I just remember watching it a lot as a kid. I don't know if my, I can't say if it was because it was on, maybe on TV a lot. Or if just my parents rented it a lot because they liked it. But. I just remember distinctly seeing this movie a lot as a kid. I think my parents really just like Tom Hanks because Money Pit was also a staple in the house as well. So maybe that was the case. But uh, anyway, let's get the who, what, where, where, when out of the way. Now, keep in mind now, when if if you haven't seen this movie or if you're going to watch it, you know, because I've s- stroked your interest in revisiting it or you're watching it in preparation for the podcast. Keep in mind that this film is rated PG. Uh, so with that in mind. It was released March 9th, my wedding anniversary, but not for uh, about 20 years after that. 1984, uh, IMDb gives it a 6.3, Rotten Tomatoes, 91%, 58% audience, budget, an estimated 11 million, opened at 6.1. That was enough to give it uh, the number one spot of the week. Number two was Footloose, uh, and that one came in uh, at number two, but it was its fourth week of release. Uh, domestically, Splash would go on to gross $69.8 million. So made its money back. Big hit. Big hit for Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah, and the director, Opie himself, Ron Howard. Of course, a uh, veteran of the podcast. He did, he uh, directed Willow, Cocoon, uh, Parenthood, Backdraft, Apollo 13. Uh, most recently, Solo. Well, not, maybe not most recently, but uh, Solo. He was brought in to kind of fix that with all the production woes they were having on that film. Uh, and just seeing what you have up there on the screen, Jesse. Anything interesting upcoming? No. <laughs> nope. Upcoming? Mm, no, not really. No, but he's a good director. You know, uh, his uh, I'd say his daughter uh, Bryce, like the episodes of The Mandalorian that she's done, she's got a really good eye. So uh, you know, I look forward to her you know, directing as well, and also seeing her in movies too, because she's quite a looker. Anyway, written by Lowell Gans, he also. Wrote Parenthood and Greedy, A League of Their Own, and City Slickers One and Two. So he's got a, he's got some good '90s, late '80s, '90s comedies under his belt. Uh, it was based on a story by producer Brian Glazer, who's a good friend of Ron, uh, Ron Howard. They have their own production company together. Uh, cinematography was by Donald Peterman. He also did Flashdance. Worked with Howard again on Cocoon, and he's a veteran of the podcast because he was also the cinematographer on Star Trek Four. But he also would go on to do some more water-based movies with uh, Point Break. And also, speaking of Thanksgiving, or Hanksgiving, Adam's Family Values, a film that we break out and watch every uh, November because of the uh, turkey scene. Anyway, starring the man of the month, one of the greatest actors of all time, undeniably, although you wouldn't know it from last week's episode, <laughs> uh, mm. Tom Hanks is Alan, of course, Saving Private Ryan, Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, and as I just mentioned, the amazing, incredibly worst film I've ever seen, excuse me, worst TV movie I've ever seen, Mazes and Monsters. Thankfully, his career just went nothing but up after that. He just he just started, he said, I'm going to do the worst thing first, get it out of the way, and everything after that's going to be, you know, noteworthy and Academy Award winning. So, good on him. And also starring as his co-star, the splish to his splash, 
in this film. Daryl Hannah as Madison the Mermaid. Of course, Kill Bill. Most people might know her from that uh, recently in terms of uh, iconic characters. Uh, Ellie Driver or L Driver, I think was her name and that, whatever it was. <laughs> anyway, she's so, so you know, <whistles> I can't whistle. <whistles> that scene where she's walking whistling. Uh, of course, she was Pris and Blade some Runner. Trivia. I have some trivia about Daryl Hannah. She is also a board game designer. Really? Yeah. Wow. Made a board game called Library with L-I-E. Huh. It's it's a hard to find game, but we do have a copy of it. <laughs> really? So is it like a, a de- deduction type game or? It's been forever since I played it, but uh, yeah, it's it has to do with words and such. But hmm. yeah, I just thought that was, I just remembered it in this moment seeing her. That is interesting. I had no clue. <laughs> wow. Because, I mean, she's a very um, active celebrity. Like, she does a lot of activism. She's, like, really strictly vegan, uh, that kind of stuff. So when you said she did a board game, I was expecting it to be, like, something <laughs> like how to make a salad or something. I don't know. I mean, facetious. Yeah, it's bluffing. It's a bluffing word game. Huh. Interesting. Huh. She's yeah. multi-talented, obviously. Uh, also, she was in Wall Street, and she is married to Neil Young. Yes, that Neil Young. Uh, and starring the late, great John Candy as Freddy, of course, Uncle Buck, Home Alone, Armed and Dangerous. We did a whole uh, Candyman month on John Candy. And when you ever just talk about John Candy in film, usually the name that follows is Eugene Levy, which, of course, he's in this movie as well as Walter. They co-starred in Armed and Dangerous. They were together in SCTV. And had John Candy, you know, survived longer than he did, which we all wish would have happened, he definitely would have shown up in Shit's Creek along with Eugene Levy. Uh, Dodie Goodman is Mrs. Stimbler, and I mention her because uh, of all the you know, this, this cast is very narrow. There's like these the four characters we mentioned are pretty much one of them was on the screen at all times. Uh, but I mentioned Dodie Goodman because she was the principal's assistant in Greece, uh, and I watch Greece a lot. And she always appears to voice a character in Alvin and the Chipmunks, no matter if it's a special, a TV show, or a movie when she was alive, at least. She was always just doing a like the, a, a random voice in Alvin and the Chipmunks. So if you're an Alvin and the Chipmunks fan, she's your woman. But anyway, yeah, Splash. Now, the biggest thing about this film for me was I, I remembered so many different scenes, like the bathtub scene where she her tail comes out. Still a really good effect. Re- really well shot on uh, Ron Howard's uh, behalf and everything. I remember the ending and some of the other stuff, but forgot so much about this film. And uh, the first thing, the number one thing that just blew my mind what the, was that this film was rated PG. Because, <laughs> no, I'm not complaining. I'm just shocked. Now, this was in 84 before the PG-13 existed. But Daryl Hannah, Hannah is butt naked multiple times <laughs> in this movie. And uh, even when she's underwater, I mean, her hair is long, you know, to cover the breast. And she did have them covered with Band-Aids and stuff like that, you know, flesh-colored. But when she's underwater, you can see it. I mean, even though it's covered, I mean, you know, you can see the nipple. Uh, so, I mean, there is like full frontal nudity in this film. Uh, and when she gets out of the Statue of Liberty, you know, it's just a behind the sh- it's a behind shot. But it is low enough to where you can see a shape. Uh, so it's it's on. I was, I was literally I was just shot. I was honestly like, oh, my God, I cannot believe this was in a PG movie. But then again, it's a 1984 PG movie. So it, it does make sense, but uh, but I remember, you know, my, my parents, you know, I couldn't go around when I was real young and watch horror movies or anything like that because, oh, it's violence and nudity and all this stuff, but watch the hell out of this movie. And it's honestly not, as, I mean, it's almost as bad as a Friday the 13th in terms of its nudity. It's just not point blank in your face, but uh, not complaining. Daryl Hannah's a lovely, lovely lady in the female body. It's a beautiful thing. Free the nipple. Uh, woke alert. But anyway, yeah, so that was like the biggest shock about it, which is like, I did not remember it being so <laughs> uh, pornographic is a strong word, but I'm using it facetiously uh, in terms of, of that. But also as a kid, a lot of the humor didn't hit me as a kid because the stuff John Candy's saying is not for kids anyway <laughs> in this movie because of his character. Uh, but you know, he was hilarious, as always. And Tom Hanks is one one of the, you know, if there was a top 10 list of the funniest Tom Hanks moments or best Tom Hanks moments, the scene in this movie, you're like, they're, they're, we're looking at the stills, right? Oh, you're watching it on, yeah, you'll see. <laughs> uh, 
but uh, <laughs> the scene in the movie where he, he comes home and she went out. We know this, but he doesn't. He comes in. He's like, la da da, all happy, walking on cloud nine because Daryl Hannah just, you know, is living with him and he's over the moon. Who wouldn't be uh, in 1984 at least? But he comes in, you know, what, great shot. It's, you know, the, it's a little, it's a kind of a corner, almost like a security cam angle in the hallway with the elevator and the door. Comes off the elevator, la da da, holding the flowers, whistling, singing, goes in, shuts the door. 30 seconds later, like runs out in a panic because she's not there. And he does this thing where he pushes both buttons. There's two elevators facing each other, like a lot of, a lot of places. He pushes both buttons and he runs to the middle and does this little like football drill where he's waiting to see which one's going to open first and then dashes toward that one. It is one of the funniest things I have ever seen. And <laughs> it's, it's so, it's a Hanksism, I guess. It's, it's, it's a choice that like Tom Hanks would do because. You know, one of the biggest things I think about his endearment and why he's especially in the 80s, why he was so pop, why he was so popular. And there it is. That's, that was a still shot right there. You just had it. Where he's like <laughs> waiting for the elevator. That shot is so f- I, I just I rewound it like three times because it just cracked me up so much. I was rolling. It's just such a, a choice, but it works. Uh, but, you know, I mean, look at Tom Hanks in this. You look at him in the money pit and bachelor party and some in his other and Turner and Hooch is not in the burbs. All this the, the, in the dragnet, the movies we're doing for the rest of Thanksgiving. You know, Tom Hanks has that every man, but like manic side to him. Like, you know what? Tom Hanks, when he raises his voice is like comedic gold. Like we open the show with the little boat. Like he has such a good like, <laughs> I'm just a normal guy. I'm just trying to do my job. I'm just trying to do what I need to do. But some bullshit's happening. So now I got to get all crazy about it. But he's he's just so perfect at that, and I think that's one of the big reasons that you know he could still he has been and continues to be ever since Mazes and Monsters. At least we're not mm. going to include that. Uh, just such a beloved and loved actor. Period. Just you know, uh, unless you're, if you're in QAnon and you think that he one of these people that drinks baby's blood and all that, which uh, get the fuck out of here with that. But um, you know, he's just so charming and this is this is in his oeuvre of film i mean you could see amazes and monsters he was trying it really wasn't funny he was not comedic in that at all he was serious he was too serious for that movie which is what made it in hindsight comedic because he didn't quite get the assignment or he got the assignment for that movie but everybody else in the production didn't so he overacted he acted at a a movie level in a c level tv movie uh but listen to last week's episode for all that shit but this movie is just so it really it was truly enjoyable to watch it again for me because again haven't seen it in forever and just you know John Candy's on point Eugene Levy is his smarmiest villain wink wink kind of character as he was prone to play Daryl Hannah is beautiful she's really good in this uh, this is just a an amalgam amalgamation with the wrong word just a combination of like you got, you got a good director understood the assignment everybody understood the assignment to use that I'm going to use that a lot. Uh, you know, Tom Hanks is on point, dramatic and comedic. Daryl Hannah does great being a literal fish out of water. Haha, <laughs> see what I did there? And then Candy and Levy filling in the supporting cast. I mean, it's perfect. This is a perfectly cast 80s movie, uh, for what it is. And, uh, just truly had a great time with it. Although there's, there's a lot of silliness in it, you know, that I didn't remember. That's just absolutely ridiculous. And I think they could have gone, it is. It's pretty evenly balanced. I'd say it's maybe, you know, 50, 50% comedy, 50% drama. I do wish the comedy was a little more relevant. Uh, but it, 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 it hits whenever Levy and Candy are on the screen, it hits and it's, it's fantastic. And it's, it's guaranteed, you're going to laugh. And John Candy is just so great in this movie. Uh, and I, and again, cause I haven't seen it in so long. I forgot, I, I remember he was in it because when we were doing Candy Month, I was like, oh, we'll say Splash for later because Tom Hanks. Uh, we want the focus to be on John Candy, but he uh, he almost steals the movie, and he steals the mm. scenes that he's in with him, for sure. Mainly because he is the comedic kind of focus of the movie. But I mean, John Candy was just such a a good actor that he just you could tell like there was a there's a lot of chemistry there between obviously him and Eugene Levy, but also him and Tom Hanks. Him being Tom Hanks' brother, perfect casting, perfect casting. They are so good together in this film and it's truly enjoyable to watch them. That's a shame. Like they didn't get to do more projects together. 
but yeah, bottom line, revisiting this one, it's it's great. Uh, if you haven't seen it or haven't seen it in forever, I highly recommend revisiting it uh, <laughs> for a variety of reasons. Uh, but it's, it really is good. And, and it's it's a definite, you know, it's a, you, you, you can see how Tom Hanks is evolving and how he becomes the actor that we know him as today uh, and look at him upon. Because remember, like in the, in the 80s, you know, until he did Philadelphia and won, uh, I think, was it, I think, well, I think it was best actor. I think it wasn't supporting. I think he was considered best actor for that. Yeah, because he won for that. And then I think Forrest Gump, that was his two. Or did he get three since then? Those were his first two. I'm 99% sure of that. Uh, but, you know, in the 80s, it was Tom Hanks was a comedic actor. You know, it's like Doc Brown in, in uh, Back to the Future. You know, who's president? Ronald Reagan? Ha! The actor? It's like, who won Best Actor? Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks. Ha! The comedian? You know, so <laughs> he's the, Tom Hanks is the full package when it comes to acting, to be, like, to be honest. I mean, it's just like he can do comedy. He can do drama. He can do war. Uh, I haven't seen that recent movie that was an Apple exclusive. Uh, where it was like Wally or something. It's like a futuristic one. I haven't seen that one, uh, but I'm sure he's great in it. Um, you know, he hasn't done horror. Mazes and Monsters is horrific, I guess, because it's so bad. But it's not a you know, it's not a legit horror movie. Like Tom Hanks in a horror movie. Now that'd be something. That would mm-hmm. be something. That would be fantastic. Finch. That's the name of it. You know, yeah. uh, Greyhound. Uh, but yeah, we talked about that before. That was that's one of his. Best recent movies. News of the World, that was a rare miss for me with him. That movie was just bad. And directed by uh, Paul Greengrass, who's a fantastic director. News of the World was just, mm. that was not good. <laughs> but he was good in it. Mm. You know, that's the thing with, with Tom Hanks. You know, you know he's going to be good in what he's in. But, it, you know, is a movie going to be good? Honestly, you look at his filmography, most of the time it is. Most of the time it absolutely is. It's a sign of, a, of, a, of a, at least a good watch. In my opinion, oh, sci-fi. He Cloud Atlas. He was a Cloud Atlas. So yeah, he's he's definitely done at least that I've seen because I haven't seen Finch yet. Uh, so like he's definitely done. You know, he's killed it in sci-fi because he's just a damn good actor. And uh, I think one of the biggest things about him is he brings that that he's a good point of entry for people, I guess, I guess males because <laughs> uh, he's so relatable. It's like uh, you know he's not Schwarzenegger taking on an alien or Sylvester Stallone fighting for the heavyweight title. He's a guy. He's just a normal guy dealing with bullshit like we all are. And I think he, he really brings that to his films. And, you know, in this, it shows I mean, it, it, his character transition from when he cut, you know, he, a mermaid meets him and, you know, basically moves in without asking, you know, it's, it's, it's so, especially as a kid, it's like, oh my God, I'd be so amazing if a mermaid moved in with me. That'd be, you know, how cool is that? You know? It's just great. It's a uh, really fun. So again, highly recommend it for a rewatch and a revisit. Uh, Jesse, have you ever seen the Tom Hanks? And I would say this one is a classic. Flash. It's probably crossed my path, but it's been forever since I've seen it. Um, I remember too much about it for me to say I haven't. Seen it. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, if you're looking for some Hanks, you want you need a little bit of Hanks in you. Flash yep. is a good one to start, especially, and this is, you know, it's, it's so, it's so crazy. Like just when you think about it, like his trajectory as an actor, you know, TV, sh- you know, most of the time actors that start on TV shows don't see like the success that he got or built. I mean, he worked for, I mean, earned, I should say in the uh, industry. Cause when you look at Tom Hanks, especially in the eighties, I mean, he's not the prototypical protagonist except in like a comedy or something, but then God damn, he does Philadelphia and just like, holy shit. And then, you know, from there, it's just upwards from there in terms of dramatic. But when he does fall back into his uh, comedic roles, you know, I wish, you know, he, all too often it's a lot. He does serious stuff now. Uh, you know, the Toy Story stuff, notwithstanding when it's actually his voice and not the the double. Because nobody complained when they replaced Woody's voice in the TV specials. They replaced Tim Allen and people are up in arms. What's your problem? Come on, people. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, there's a good bit of trivia on this film. Uh, the first, this was the first movie released under Disney's Touchstone Pictures label. In case you don't know, Touchstone Pictures is obviously like a just a subsidiary of Disney, but you know it's not a Disney presentation. It's Touchstone Pictures. I always love their logo with the flashing light and then the logo lightning strike kind of thing at the end. But Touchstone was their studio to release, not quote unquote Disney stuff. 
You know, uh, I think all the Ernest movies were considered touchstone. A lot of the uh, Shelley Long movies uh, of the 80s, you know, it was a lot, it was more mature affair. As this one, with all the nudity, I said it's absolutely not a Disney movie. Uh, so yeah, this was the first. Ever on Jeopardy? Splash was the first touchstone pictures film released. Uh, the fountain that they reference in, that they visit in the movie and then she buys for him and somehow gets it delivered through the door of his apartment uh, is actually on display at Disney's MGM Studios at Walt Disney World. And the mermaid fin that Daryl Hannah wore was behind the bar at Planet Hollywood in downtown Disney. I say was because I'm pretty sure that that's not open anymore, but I could be mm-hmm. wrong. Now, the designer of the mermaid costume is a gentleman named Robert Short, not to be confused with Robert Long. Uh, he initially pictured the mermaid with a dolphin type tail as it would make to quote him biological sense. But Ron Howard said, no, it needs to have a more tropical look. So, so he eventually created a tail based on koi fish. And he later said that it was a genius idea because, uh, then to quote him, you lose a lot of color underwater and the red tail stood out more. And honestly, a, a mermaid with a dolphin tail would, that wouldn't be, you know, that's that nobody goes to that. <laughs> that's just kind of more of a, <laughs> I don't know. Even even though it's here. See, here's the thing, though. You know, uh, the mermaid tail in this is uh, horizontal, like a dolphin. It's still a fish tail, but it's horizontal. It goes up and down in the water. Fish, their tails are vertical and go side to side in the water. Mm. So it's it's still, you know. I mean, obviously, mermaids are not biologically correct because they don't exist. Uh, but you know, for as far as a opposed to a fish and an aquatic mammal, it's a hybrid of the two, in a sense. Uh, so there's that. Uh, and the fin that she had to wear it it weighed thirty five pounds, which seems odd when you look at it because it looks like it's just a piece of fabric and the and the tail on the end. I think it weighed thirty five pounds. It took three hours each day to put it on, and she pretty much had to remain perfectly still while it was being attached. And at lunch, they'd yank her out on a crane, kind of like they do in the movie, that crane you see where they're putting her in the tank and just put her on the ground. Uh, And she told People Magazine she couldn't eat because she couldn't go to the bathroom. So she she pretty much just lay there shivering with barnacles in her hair, soaking wet, according to her. Uh, In fact, but she was so good with the the appliance, I'll say, we'll call it that, uh, her safety team, scuba divers, could not keep up with her when she would swim in it. She was so fast with it. So it was a functional mermaid tail. Uh, then speaking of Disney movies, Ariel and the Little Mermaid was originally going to be blonde, but they made her a redhead to differentiate her from this character. So that's, uh, this character, and honestly, the character Madison in this movie, the mermaid, like obviously, you know, that's pretty iconic. It changed one of Disney's princesses look, but, uh, we'll get yeah. more about Madison at the, the, at the last little bit of trivia. Cause it's really interesting. Uh, Tom Hanks did a one-time guest appearance on Happy Days in 82, and at Ron Howard's request, he read for a supporting role in this movie, but ended up getting cast for the lead. Now, before Hanks accepted the role of Alan, it had been turned down by such people as Chevy Chase, nope, wouldn't work in this movie, Bill Murray, nope, Dudley Moore, maybe, John Travolta, and so it's too, I don't know, that wouldn't work, I don't think that worked, Michael Keaton, that could absolutely work. Uh, Travolta passed on the advice of his agent, Jeff Bridges, Richard Gere, Kevin Klein, David Morse, Burt Reynolds, Robin Williams, which would have been amazing, which you'd have to rate it R. Uh, John Hurd, Christopher Reeve, and Robert Klein were also considered for the role. And Steve Gutenberg, the Goot, auditioned for the lead, but did not get the part. But Ron Howard remembered him and did give him a role in his next picture, which we've covered on the podcast, Cocoon. Uh, now for the role of Freddie. Uh, Tim Allen and John Goodwin were both considered for the role. Speaking of Tim Allen, how funny would that be if Tim Allen was in this movie with Tom Hanks and then they go on to be in Toy Story? Or would that have mm. altered the timeline so much that Disney, since they didn't want a, two blonde mermaids, would have changed the voice of Buzz Lightyear? Mm. Catch 22 there. But uh, they were considered Chris for Evans could have done it. <laughs> Baby Chris Evans. <laughs> but, uh, which uh, but eventually Candy got the role, which is absolutely the best choice for it. But Candy actually wanted to originally play Eugene Levy's role, but Howard convinced him to play Freddie instead. And Candy then, because he's such a good, was a good fucking dude to his friends and, and colleagues, he recommended Eugene Levy for the role. Got in the role, and it worked for nothing but for the benefit of the movie. 
Now, this is a funny story uh, from Ron Howard. Uh, there's a YouTube series called Reunited Apart. Uh, I think that's where like they can just got pe- like groups of people from movies cast back together for like a virtual Zoom call during the pandemic. I think that's what that was. Uh, maybe still up. I don't know. But uh, he told a story about how John Candy had arrived late to the set one day and held up the shoot, which was unlike Candy because he's such a professional. When he arrived, he apologized to Howard profusely, to which Howard said it was fine and they'd start shooting. But he told him he was late because he hadn't slept at all and was a bit drunk because he had gone to a bar and met Jack Nicholson, who recognized John Candy and kept buying him drinks all night, which is a cool story Mm. to begin with. Uh, But Candy said, I got to go to work. I got to go to the shoot in the morning. And Jack Nicholson simply said, you're going to be all right, kid. Don't worry about it. And kept giving him drinks. Uh, (laughs) But the scene they had to shoot that day is the scene where he gets hit in the head with the racquetball uh, on the racquetball court. And it was they got the shot in the first take. So, yes, he was late, but ever the professional nailed it in the first uh, and actually, the scene you're on the, here, right here, Jesse, visual joke, visual reference on audio podcast. Uh, she watches a commercial for Crazy Eddie. Uh, and that was actually a real electronic store. Uh, it was Eddie and, Eddie and Sam Antar opened Crazy Eddie in Brooklyn, New York in 71. Their spokesman was uh, a disc jockey from WPIX, Jerry, Dr. Jerry Carroll, whose frantic nonstop sales pitch was based on used car salesman uh, Earl Madman Muntz. A lot of names here, regional names here that you'll never hear again unless you're from there. Uh, the pitch end, always ended with Crazy Eddie. His prices are insane. The chain grew to 43 stores in four states. Uh, yeah. And then wow. in 89, it closed after charges of fraud and security violations. So <laughs> mm. <laughs> makes sense that Crazy Eddie would go down that way at the end of the 80s, probably in a cocaine fueled shootout of some sort. Mm. Uh, and despite this is this is this blew my mind. Now, Splash Mountain at Disney, Disney World, Disneyland. I don't know if it's in any of the European or uh, other country Disney's theme parks. Uh, when you go inside, you know, when you're riding it up, it is themed after the movie Song of the South, which due to its race, modern day, you know, it's that obviously doesn't hold up. And Disney really tries to blacklist it and doesn't want it to be known, even though they, they've kept the theming of that ride since it opened. Uh, and they're changing it, rightfully so, to uh, Princess and the Frog. Because why you have a ride? I mean, if you have a ride thing of a movie you don't want people to know about or remember, you should. Why did you? Do, why did you even do it to begin with? Anyway, but it's called Splash Mountain because my CEO at the time, Michael Eisner, did it to promote the movie Splash. Now, this is an IMDb fact, grain of salt, but seems like an odd leap of logic to call it Splash Mountain. It has nothing to do with the movie, but you're just keeping the word Splash because it's a popular hmm. word at the time, I guess. I don't know, but that's what the internet says. Uh, And in 2016, Brian Glazer said he was working on a remake of Splash, only with a twist. Now listen to this. Uh, He said, quote, there's a movie star that's going to be involved and would most likely be from the point of view of the mermaid and would be closer to an earlier draft of the original script for Splash. And it would star Jillian Bell and Channing Tatum. But twist. Channing Tatum is a merman. So it's basically just, <laughs> you know, which is fine. You know, if you're going to redo it, you know, I mean, I'm not going to like boycott the movie because mermaids should be mermaids and not mermen because that's ridiculous. But to me, that just kind of cha- that 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 means that it's going to be a, a rom-com, which I guess the original Splash is a rom-com, but it's definitely I mean, it doesn't feel like a rom-com, I guess, because it's an 80, you know, an early 80s movie <laughs> and not a modern day movie. So I'm not sure, you know, it might be fine, but uh, I wouldn't, you know, I'd give it a shot at home. I wouldn't go to the theater and see it. However, as of January last year, it is still in development. I imagine at this point it will not happen, at least with those names involved at this point. And when Disney launched their Disney Plus streaming service, they edited the scene where she kisses Alan and runs into the sea. Uh, They edited extending her hair to cover her exposed butt more, which I find an odd edit because about two minutes later, she gets out of the water at the Statue of Liberty and you see her labia. I believe that's called the labia. <laughs> Ladies, please don't <laughs> hate me if I miss if I misidentify the body part that you see. Uh, mm. I apologize uh, for that if I if I did. There was a sequel, Splash 2 T-O-O. It was a TV movie in 88 and only Dodie Goodman returned. And Madison was played by uh, the former, well, former because he passed away, but uh, Mrs. John Ritter, Amy Yazbek. 
So, uh, actually, Jesse, look hmm. up Splash 2 real quick. I meant to do this because Amy Yazbek's a redhead. And this was right. in 88. So I want, did she, was she blonde for this? I wonder if there's any pics of her of the, in it. Up, oh, up, oh, she is blonde. Okay. Because she's playing the same character. Because Amy Yaz- Yazbek's a redhead, and this came out before, ooh, with that crimped hair. She looks good, though. <laughs> Amy Yazbek. Always had a crush for her on Amy Yazbek. She's pretty. Probably uh, had been in tights. That's where I know. Oh, Dracula dead and loving it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, she was the mom and problem child. And oh, there's, uh, there's another one on the tip of my tongue. I can see her, but I can't remember what I'm thinking of. Problem child. Mm. Now, this is 80s revisited, but the original problem child is a fucking classic. Okay. <laughs> Sequel, <laughs> not so much. But the OG problem child, John Ritter, Amy Yazbek, and then, uh, oh God, Kramer. Drawing a blank on his name. Hold Michael on. Michael Richards. Thank, yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, as the bow tie killer, like I, that, that's a spinoff movie we need. <laughs> the bow tie killer, like a fake documentary, like hunting the bow tie killer, where uh, you know it's, it's a parody and somebody's trying to find the bow tie killer and it's you know it's Michael Richards and they go over the events <laughs> of Problem Child. Uh, copyright eighties visited November fourteenth, twenty twenty two, twelve forty four. MST. Elon, spend you know quit, quit buying stuff and give us money. Bezos, you're donating. <laughs> you're saying you're going to give away all your money. Let us have a production company to make these amazing movies that we have the ideas to make and then all the profits <laughs> go to charity there you go each movie has a charity tied tied to it and that's who we donate all the profits. uh now the biggest impact of splash is not that it was a big launching point for tom hanks to further his acting career his leading man status as an actor but it's the name of the mermaid herself the name madison now, the name Madison is both a boy's and a girl's name of English origin, meaning son of Matthew. Okay, um, then why is it not Madison? Matt-ison. Yeah. It's mad. Mad Madison. Anyway, hmm. now, this movie, again, it came out <clears throat> March 9th, 1984. Now, in terms of record keeping, the name Madison had zero recorded uses before this. The year after this movie came out, it, had, it was number 628 in 85. Since then, it's, until today, it has been in the top 100 names since 95. And of those times, most of them have been in the top 10. All because of Splash. If you see somebody, if you meet somebody named Madison, they are, you know, whether they may not be named because their parents saw this movie, but that name is popular simply because of this movie. Hmm. So the cultural impact of splash has been incredible <laughs> with the number of people named Madison. It's like, uh, and in fact, every time the movie comes out on DVD or a, a, a special anniversary release and people who haven't seen it might've seen it, the name Madison spikes. They call it, it's quote, it's a legitimate thing. It's called the splash bump for the name Madison. <laughs> so, Crazy. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Uh, that's why, you know, uh, the name Daenerys had the Game of Thrones bump and then the Game of Thrones drop after season eight, obviously, because you don't name your characters after a fictional character till their story is over. <laughs> oh, Anakin. I love that name, Anakin. You know, he, kill- he killed kids. You know that, right? He slaughtered children and it's complicit to billions of lives being murdered. Anyway, <laughs> score wise for Splash, I give it a 6.5. Uh, and that's not a, that's not saying it's bad. It's, it's, it is entirely enjoyable. I'm trying to be, give a, it's just, I'm not gonna, it's, it's, it's not comedic on the level of like three amigos or ghostbusters where it has a lot of rewatch value. I'll definitely revisit it again in the future. And it is a good movie. Uh, you know what? I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I take it back. I'm gonna bump it up to a seven. I'm gonna give it a seven. I'm gonna stick with seven. I'll give it another half point. Uh, cause I really talking about it so much today. Uh, 6.5 was my immediate, I just finished watching this movie. This is what I would give it today. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll bump it up a half point. Seven, I think seven's a good score for it. Even today, it's, it's still really funny. Uh, again, the, the chemistry of the cast is fantastic. It's well-directed. The effects are good. You know, how many, how many good mermaid movies are there? Uh, top of my head, two. This one and Little Mermaid. I'm trying to think of any other movie that has a mermaid as a main character or a, as a big part of it. And that's it. So there you go. Uh, of the of the two that you can name, it's one of the best. So uh, anyway, in the real world, again, this released March 9th, 1984. On March 16th, 
the U.S. Secret Central Intelligence Agency Station Chief in Beirut, William Francis Buckley, was kidnapped by the Islamic Jihad Organization and later died in captivity, unfortunately. Uh, so a little grim thing that happened in history back then. But a day after this movie came out, the lovely and sticking her foot in her mouth repeatedly when it comes to her movie Don't Worry Darling, Olivia Wilde was born. A uh, beautiful actress. Uh, haven't seen Don't Worry Darling. Can't comment on her directing because I haven't seen that or her other movie that she did. Uh, but she was great in the criminally underrated Burt Wonderstone uh, and all that. So, but yeah, and that's, and Jesse, Jesse's got up on the screen like movies with mermaids. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There was a, uh, obviously there was a, there were, there's some gorgeous mermaids in one scene in Hook, but uh, that doesn't count. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, Shape of Water, it's not a mermaid. Oh, Lady Oh, Lady of the Water is a mermaid. Wait, was she? No, she was just like a nymph or something. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Was she a mermaid? Yeah, I have remember? no idea. I don't, I don't remember think I've seen that one. Okay, quick tangent, <laughs> tangent, tangent time, Lady in the Water. Most people hate that movie because most people just hate M. Night Shyamalan, you know, period. Now just, and it's understandable because, I mean, After Earth, Last Airbender, the happening, I understand. But I thought Lady in the Water, there's a, one of the best acted scenes in that in any movie I've ever seen is Paul Giamatti in that movie. And if you've seen it and you remember it, if you remember it, you probably know what I'm talking about. Uh but I think it's a it's a fairy tale. And I think I, I think the problem with M Night, a lot of M Night stuff is that, you know, he Sixth Sense exploded, Unbreakable is phenomenal. Uh Let's see, what, was Signs his third one? Or is there, oh, I'm missing one between, let's see, Unbreakable? Or M. Night? Yeah, it was Sixth Sense, Unbreakable. Was Signs his third one? Or is, I thought Signs was his fourth movie. I feel, I feel like I'm missing one. Village, uh, is that it? No, Signs technically his fourth, but I mean, no one knows about his. <laughs> yeah, it's his first two. His early stuff. If you, if you can name his first quote unquote two films, then you're a, you're, you know, you're a bigger fan of him than I am. But, uh, you yeah. know, Sixth Sense, boom, exploded. Unbreakable, boom, led to a trilogy much later on, which I thought was fantastic. I know that's a hot take there. And then Signs, The Village, then ladies in the, Lady in the Water, and then The Happening. To me, he didn't, he didn't suffer until The Happening, to me. But then he had The Happening, Last Airbender, and After Earth. He had a trio of three terrible movies. Yeah. And then what does he do? He comes back with Split, Glass, Haven't Seen Old. I thought he did The Visit. Did he just produce yeah, that right or not here. direct it? That's right here. Oh, um, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, the visit. Okay, the visit. Found footage, fantastic. If you haven't seen it, fantastic and creepy. So yeah, uh, I think M Night gets a bad rap these days. It's like, oh yeah, M Night, because people remember, they remember Last Airbender, The Happening, and After Earth. They don't remember how good, you know, how revolutionary the Sixth Sense was, or how big it was. I should say revolutionary, how big it was when it came out. Although if you pay attention, they, they tell you what happens halfway through the movie. Uh, for signs and everything, but uh, Lady in the Water is probably I think really underrated in terms of him. I think it's beautifully shot. It's it it is, it is silly, but it's meant to be like a fairy tale. And if you look at it on that lens, I think it holds up a lot better. And again, Paul Giamatti has a scene in that movie that is so incredible. So if you haven't seen it, or maybe you saw it once and thought it was terrible, give it a rewatch. I'm definitely adding it to my rewatch queue now because I'm talking about it. I haven't seen it in forever, but I thought it was just, a, it's a, I think I thought it was a beautiful movie to be honest with you. Not for everybody. I can understand that, but to just absolutely shit on it. I don't think that's fair, but again, mm. that's just my opinion. Uh, back to the future this week. Uh, haven't seen anything new. I've, I got one episode left on house of the dragon. I'm not sure where you're out at on that. Uh, Jesse, I've made but, uh, uh, no progress. <laughs> okay. Well, I will say this. It's a, the, the last, not last the very last episode notwithstanding it gets really good at the end uh however mm-hmm. you know i don't like that on about shows you know that that that's fine because you get you're getting a payoff but a tv show you know i'm fine with a movie being a slow burn because that's two hours mm-hmm. but a tv show when it's you know a 10 hour series for the season and five hours of it is just kind of like eh for the next five that's not a good ratio to me you know, I can understand like giving a TV show a couple of episodes to pick up, but I do feel House of the Dragon like dragged a lot in the beginning. But the stinger at the end of episode seven, episode eight is really good. Uh, I thought uh, 
a good change of pace from typical kind of game of what you see in Game of Thrones, and it goes right back to it. But uh, so it, it's it it is uh, gone up a notch or so in my book from uh, initially with it. But uh, and then hmm. God, uh, God of War Ragnarok came out. I'm only about an hour into it, but it's fantastic. Uh, I got one mission left on the new Call of Duty, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I haven't started that story yet. Uh, I mean, now again, yeah, my family since we talked. My brother worked on it. And he put his heart and soul into it. The story's fine, but the the set, some of the set pieces are just, I don't know, like typical. Uh, yeah, in a way, it just it's just like this is ridiculous. Like it, it's, it gets too ridiculous. Oh, okay. I think you know because uh, one a of the things I love about Call furious. of Duty. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You know, like the the first, you know, a lot of the time they keep, uh, you know. They pride themselves on the, you know, my brother tells me all the time, they talk, they're talking to real, you know, soldiers and people that do this kind of stuff for real about what happens. And believe me, they don't dangle upside down from a helicopter going through traffic like Darkman. That they doesn't happen. So they know what not to do because that's all boring <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right. Uh, but, you know, and again, like, you know, it is a video game. I understand that, but it's just like, I don't like, and this is, again, this is a personal opinion. Uh, the Alejandro character is badass. He's probably my favorite Call of Duty character uh, in the series. Although, and I really don't think the characters are that good to begin with in that, sh- in that series, except Ghost, because he just is badass. But he's your typical Snake Eyes-esque character, you know, in a mask and the, the loner badass that saves the day all the time. Uh, but Alejandro is, that, like, he's a great character. And the actor that plays him, because he's all he's all based on real you know, the actors in the game, face wise and voice wise are those people. So it's you know, he this guy, why is he not like a big actor? Because he is just in this game, his performance and his look, he should be like in action movies all over the place. He's fantastic. Uh high praise for him. But again, I got like two missions, one two or one mission left. But there's this mission where you're by yourself, and it's one of the worst missions I've ever played in a in a FPS. Just aggravating. Uh, for example, like you have to craft stuff in it, which, okay, that's fine. But, uh, you know, you come across the whole game, you're kicking down doors, you know, locked doors. It's locked. Let's break it. Breach it. You know, and you breach it and you go and you have a shootout. All of a sudden, when, and, and of course, you can get shot 20 times and you just stuck behind something and you heal. And then all yeah. of a sudden, he gets sh- this, your character gets shot in the shoulder and can't fucking walk and can't kick open <laughs> doors. So we, you have to constantly scrounge for metal and tape and rope. To make a pry to open a door. Bullshit. You can kick it open. <laughs> or how about you just find a crowbar and you don't have to keep crafting this item just to go forward. Uh, and again, you know, uh, full disclosure, my my brother and my uh, sis, uh, sister-in-law work for Infinity Ward. Uh, you know, and so I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll tell, when I see them for the holidays, is exactly what I'm going to tell them. You know, because uh, I believe you tell people the truth. Uh, we're all adults, uh, and and again, my brother works on the story, and Candace is a producer. So, are they directly responsible for what I'm saying? Not necessarily, <laughs> but they, you know, I get a lot of insight as to who is when I talk to them. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's gorgeous and everything. But uh, I don't know. It's just you know, the I I like it. You know, Metal Gear does a great job of being realistic, but you know that it's fantastic. It's fantastical and realistic in, in, a, in like a, a combination that works. Call of Duty goes from being like realistic to hanging upside down in oncoming traffic from a helicopter. Why is your pilot not pulling you out of harm's way? You know, like, you know, you, you, it, it's too much of a disconnect for me personally when it's so realistic, like, you know, with their tactics and everything that you're doing to all of a sudden go like you perfectly perfect example, Jesse, fast and furious. Mm-hmm. Now. I'm not a game designer, but I do understand that the realism can never interfere with the gameplay. That is a, a design philosophy that I think is 100% true. Uh, like in Metal Gear, for example, the, the ration packages float and spin in the air. They don't really do that, but you know, that's for <laughs> gameplay, so you know you can pick it up and interact with it. You know, that's, a, that's a necessary thing. But uh, I definitely feel like some of the set pieces have gone fast and furious with this series. Now, the prison break level fantastic probably my favorite level of the game it was fun there's a, there was an interesting mechanic where you're watching the security cameras and kind of uh rtsing a character through it really well done i wish there were, i wish that was longer 
And then it just evolves into a typical, all right, we got to go. Weapons free, weapons free. And then like, mm-hmm. we got to hold this position till the rope's down. Like, okay, I've done this in every fucking game that's ever been made. <laughs> you know, do something different. There, there, is some, there are some good things. I'm not trashing on the game. It's a still, a, um, I, haven't, I had a f- total fun time playing it, except that traffic level, because it was this, this mechanic where you have to jump from vehicle to vehicle. And mm-hmm. that could have just been like done a lot better for us uh, too. Frustration. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. That's the thing. I've said it before on the podcast. Every time the call of duty comes out, you know what movies people on the development team were watching <laughs> before the game came out. And that, and that, again, my brother would not deny that, you know, when, yeah. uh, before I think the first modern warfare, no, this no, might've been like, is when he was, which one was it? It might have been the first one with Ghost in it. So it might have been the, the original Modern Warfare 2, maybe. Somewhere around there. But, you know, I got, I got to go to the Infinity Ward office. I got to play test the game before it came out. Uh, stuff like that. And then their idea board, I'm looking at it, and I'm looking, I'm looking at every set piece from every action movie that came out in the past five years as the mm-hmm. idea for the, for the game. Again, which is fine. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But the key is to make it your own, in my opinion. Don't make it feel like it's just oh yeah oh this is from matrix oh this is from that this is from dark man like do something like okay that's a cool idea how can we make that different better more exciting more unique and it just seems like the idea is there and it's like okay do that and then the creativity is gone after that there's a spark and it's done and again that this is again full this is just my opinion as a complete outsider with a slight insider uh edge to the information because i have people that work on it uh, still, still fun. I haven't touched the multiplayer because I don't care about the multiplayer. I play, you know, uh, I used to play Call of Duty for the multiplayer years and years and years and years ago uh, when I played it on PC. <laughs> but on mm-hmm. consoles, aside from the uh, Warzone, uh, which I haven't even touched that in a long time <laughs> since I was in California, actually, when we would play Jesse. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the story still good. Uh, it does fall into some tropes, as but uh, that's most everything. It's, you know, a lot of those, oh my God, no, you betrayed me. <laughs> Didn't see that coming from the second you walked in the goddamn door. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and again, I'm, I'm teasing, I'm being facetious. Uh, it's fun. I look forward to finishing seeing how it ends. And like I said, the Alejandro character, give him his own game. Give this actor a movie. Let him like be a badass. Like, I don't know. Like he, he's, he is, he is great. Like just, uh, he's a real i can't seriously like a good like for a video game this dude's given like an incredible performance uh i'm just trying to think like 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 bring him into the mcu i don't know who he, i'm trying to think who he could be <laughs> you know instead of bringing bad bunny in you know bring this dude in to be uh the spanish spider-man uh-huh. uh you know this dude is just great like he yeah okay actually you know uh in the mcu yeah frank grillo plays crossbones frank grillo mm-hmm. is a I don't think he's a good actor. Mm. He's very, uh, I I think he's over the top and just, he plays himself and everything. He's not very uh, dynamic in his performance. He's just, yeah, I'm a tough guy. I'm going to get you. But he was crossbones. And uh, no offense to Frank Grillo. I've seen him like in others, like outside of movies and stuff. He seems like a fun guy and all that. But I don't think he's that good of an actor, personally. This dude could have been, should have been crossbones. And he would have kicked Captain America's ass. So. But a uh, great actor. Uh, that's the I will always remember this game for his performance and like how like this dude should be in more things. Uh, to be honest with you. Mm. So yeah, and then uh, in between that, like I said, started God of War Ragnarok, started Bayonetta three, and they changed the controls in Bayonetta just enough to where it's I don't know I got I got the thing is I'm I'm spread out because I'm playing three games at once. I got to like get <laughs> focused. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it it because anytime you go to Switch. I, I, I hate the Switch. I'll be honest. Like, I love the novelty of it. I hate how Nintendo has all their buttons backwards. <laughs> in normal, in, 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 in every other console, it's, a, you know, it's Escape or X. No, in Nintendo, it's the B button. And where's the B button? Where the circle button should be. You know, the button that doesn't go back. Everything's backwards. So whenever I play something on the Switch, I got to stop, do, like, I got to unlearn. It's like driving a, a, or playing inverted when you play something on the Switch for me. Because just because that one change, like, oh, I need to go back to the menu. And I keep not going to the menu because my muscle memory is hitting the wrong button. But uh, Bayonetta's amazing game. Uh, first two, incredible. This one's got the same personality to it, so I'm looking forward to playing it. But it's probably going to sit on the back burner because God of War takes precedent. Sorry, Bayonetta, I love you. <laughs> but 
<laughs> God of War is next for me. But uh, Jesse, you seen, played, done anything since we talked a few days ago? Nah, I'm more of like a uh, picking up some old game that I've forgotten over a long period of time and getting to play that. <laughs> so I'm making my way through uh, Divinity uh, 2. What's the name of that? Uh, I think it's called Divinity. It's it's uh, the people who are bringing you Baldur's Gate, or at least the new Baldur's Gate. Um, it's a PC game. Mm. But yeah, Original Sin. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's from yeah, 2017. <laughs> Doesn't matter. These game, yeah. you know, games, <laughs> I mean, no, that usually dates the game as the graphics over, you know, that time. But I mean, but, honestly, like, yeah, we're at a point the past where several years, the changes are small these days. Yeah. It's more coming out like with textures and stuff. Yeah. They come out with these new graphics cards, like the, the 4090 come out. It's like, I'm still on the 20. I'm still in the twos. It's, <laughs> And it's working great, you know, so do I need to go there? I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. So that's where I No, I think about PC games too, is like you have like people homebrewing shit to where like they're making them look better, like uh, texture yeah. packs and all sorts of stuff, you know, which is incredible and awesome. Yeah, like Oblivion, yeah. uh, Elder mm-hmm. Scrolls. Especially. Yeah. <laughs> Skyrim's on every platform. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, you can play yeah. Skyrim on Alexa, so that tells you the you know games go <laughs> everywhere these days. Uh, yeah, so and of course, Black the new Black Panther came out. Haven't seen it yet. Want to see it? Although everything's kind of been spoiled already in the trailer, basically from what I can tell. And I think it's supposed to be the end mm. of Phase Four for the MCU. So I'm, um, and I kind of, kind of, I think we can all assume where the movie goes based on the trailer and who we know is in it. But I'm more interested to see if it does anything setting up or is basically phase four just a whole long phase of char- introdu- introducing characters and growing these characters as opposed to progressing an overarching villain. Because we know Quantumania comes out next, I believe, and it's Kang. Kang is the new big bad, which is fine. And we only yeah. saw him briefly in Loki. There's no, you know, so it's just like, and that's that really, to me, that, that's what's been the biggest downfall of the MCU is this phase is just, there's no there's no overarching thread or arc that you know that it's building to anymore. Until now, now I mean now we know that quant- it's quantum mania starts. I imagine it's gonna it's gonna be more of those that classic feel MCU in terms of like okay this is a step we're going up the step to the next big thing. And this series seems like we've been on uh, phase four feels like we've been on the landing the whole time between steps. Because uh, you know we're probably not going to see Moon Knight again because uh, I was kind they said I mean. You throw enough money to it, you know, it'll happen. But, you know, I don't know if we'll see Moon Knight as a, uh, you know, an Avenger or anything like that. Uh, definitely Miss Marvel, most likely. Uh, Loki, well, we know Loki's got to be involved because of his series and everything and his ties to Kang. Uh, She-Hulk, I mean, is she going to, you know, I guess she'll be in the Avengers too. Uh, hmm. What show? Oh, Falcon, well, I know Falcon and Winter Soldier, Soldier will be, or at least one of them, Captain America will be. Uh, you know, so it's just, it's hard to just, uh, you know, Hawkeye's done, but we got, uh, uh, what's her name? Kate, you know? Yeah. So it's more so like this, this phase seems like it's just setting up, you know, the next group of characters. Like here's mm-hmm. all the, like it's all, it's a whole big character introduction and origin phase to then kick it off with, you know, get it in gear again with phase four, which you don't have to. Like you can keep it moving while doing that, and like none of them did that. All the the credits things were just like comedic things for the next episode, or uh, you know, little character drops. You know, so it's just like, where is this going? Yeah. Uh, but with fa- I haven't seen Black Panther, but so far my favorite parts of Phase Four were absolutely Werewolf by Night, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and uh, Loki. Uh. Oh, so WandaVision was part of that phase. That was the first TV show. That was in you know, Phase 4 as well. And that basically led into Doctor Strange because, you know, Wanda's quote-unquote dead. Mm. Uh, so, we'll see where that goes. But yeah, Quantum Mania is what, next year, I think? And we got the Guardians of the Galaxy TV special this year for Christmas. And then the Marvels, which is going to have, you know, Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel. Basically, Captain Marvel 2. And then Secret Invasion, which is the Scrolls. I mean, I don't know. I don't, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Now, but it's, so it seems like it's kicking off, but uh, yeah. we got to have some stuff happen. Like that's bringing, you know, 
at the end of Iron Man, he says, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative. Yeah. And then at the end of, uh, was it, I think Iron Man two, it was Thor's hammer. You know, we, we found something like, like, you, you, you know, the, the post credit stingers became like one of the biggest things about the movies because that gave you the clue as to where we're going next. Now it's all mapped out, but still like, Oh, who are they introducing? What's happening? You know, Ragnarok. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, love and thunder at least had that in credit scene where it's like, we know where Thor's going. He's going to, you know, Hercules, they finally introduced Hercules. You know, people have wanted that him in the MCU for a while. So there's that foil for uh, Thor. But we all know, like, oh, you tried to kill my father, Thor. No, I did this for the good of the humanity of the, the, the whatever. And they're going to fight. And then eventually, we have to stop Kang, Hercules. You're right. Ox Petty Quabbles can wait. And they become drinking buddies at the end. You know, we, that's how it's going to be. There's no other way for that to happen except that way. Uh, but yeah, you know, MCU, it's, I mean, phase four is, you know, it's there there's been some great stuff don't get me wrong but like it's stagnant i think the mcu's gotten stagnant i'm you know i don't feel like i need to rush out and see these movies anymore yeah uh you know so but we'll see you know i always keep a uh hopeful i will always see the next one you know no matter what just like halloween ends i thought it sucked but i'll still see the next one you know you can make a friday the 13th movie every year i will still watch them no matter what i will have an opinion about them for sure but God damn it, I'll be there day one with, you know, with a ticket. Although I have you missed any of the TV Friday. shows. Uh, I have the only one I haven't watched yet is Miss Marvel. I've seen all the other ones. Miss Marvel came out right when uh, I think what we do in shadows and Obi-Wan was airing. Mm. So it's like, well, it's kind of what I just kind of forgot about it, honestly. So the only one I haven't seen is Miss Marvel. And by, in terms of phase four, the only things I haven't seen are Miss Marvel and um, Black Panther. But they watched, uh, obviously, uh, She-Hulk. Yeah, She-Hulk was fine. Mm. I, I like the fact that it's a it was like a comedy. Uh, yeah, you know, kind of like that's because that that's why Werewolf by Night was so amazing because they made it was a MCU universal horror movie. That's what they need. They need to stop. That's that's what I, my opinion. That you have all these characters that have different aspects to them, you know. Daredevil is a street level hero. He should not be fighting Thanos. Period. Spider Man shouldn't be either because they're not on that power level. Uh, you know, but they always got to make it how these every men superheroes can fight this obviously irrepressible, unstoppable cosmic force. But, you know, you have your cosmic characters in the MCU the Guardians of the Galaxy. They're handling stuff off world. You have your street level, like Moon Knight, Punisher, and Daredevil. You have your, uh, you know, scientific you know kind of characters in terms of the mr fantastic and blue marvel you have your horror characters like werewolf by night ghost rider blade you know to where their movies their shows should lean into that you know the mcu should not just be a superhero genre it should be a superhero genre with the sub genres of supernatural uh, superhero horror superhero uh action superhero comedy with she hulk and, and uh or even characters like Morph or um, Tower the Duck. You know, there, mm -hmm. there's so much there for variety. And to me, that's what the MCU needs to keep doing to stay fresh. Because a lot of people are tired of superhero movies. Because let's be honest, the, the Marvel films, especially in Phase 4, if you, if you can't admit it, you need to open your eyes, in my opinion, are very formulaic. Even, I, love Doctor, I love the new Doctor Strange. Still formulaic for the MCU. But I enjoyed it because why? Because it was basically a horror movie directed by Sam Raimi. So that helped a lot. Uh, but you have all these different heroes that fill different genres and types of movies you can make. You know, you could have Legion from X-Men, which they had a TV show about Legion, uh, you know, have a head be a head trippy memento type movie. I mean, all sorts of stuff you can do with these characters. And they're, you know, that's that's the one that's the, that's the, the highest praise I can give phase four. They have experimented with that. With you know, we got horror with Doctor Strange and Werewolf by Night. We got some psychological stuff with Moon Knight. Uh, you know, you got you got more of a uh, young. Uh, you know, you have more representation in terms of like age and ethnicity with Miss Marvel and some other stuff, uh, which is all good. Um, you know, Loki. Lo Loki was very Twin Peaks. You know, it's kind of that uh, mystery slash what the hell's going on, putting piece. You know bits and pieces and, and a mind fuck in some parts. 
they need to lean into that with these characters and keep it like so where you know Doctor Strange should go as a horror franchise. You know, cosmic horror, make it Lovecraftian. In the good sense of Lovecraftian, not the uh, racist sense of Love Lovecraftian. <laughs> uh you know, so it's there. They just need to do it. And, and you still do need your tentpole superhero movies like Black Panther, uh, Fantastic Four coming up, you know, the Ant-Man and the Wasp. You know, like I love like two of my favorite MCU series, Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man, because they're fucking funny. And they don't it's not like Thor, the the, la, the second half of the Thor series where it's so forced and just grates on my goddamn nerves because Taika Waititi is completely overrated. Uh, although he has some great stuff, I'm not gonna say. <laughs> but in terms of like him direct, you know, like right, uh, Love and Thunder, you know, the, the, upon second viewing, I liked it a lot better than the first time. But it's still like this is not for Thor. Like, give this man Howard the Duck, you know, give him something that fits his style, and it, it'll be fantastic. Uh, but the thing is, or or give or give or give some damn oversight on him. Because like I said, when I uh, first talked about Ragnar, uh, I'm sorry, Love and Thunder, the last 30 minutes are great. That is some great filmmaking and great storytelling. The uh, previous hour and a half, garbage to me, personally. Just so, such an imbalanced movie to me. And then the choice for Russell Crowe to be that kind of Zeus, uh, not for me, dog. Anyway, <laughs> MCU tangent is now over. Jesse, anything to add to that tangent? Nah, it's over. <laughs> okay, good. And before this show is over, now again, we, you know, one of the biggest things about mermaids is that they're moving through the water. And mermen. Mermen, too. And in every representation of both mermen and mermaids, you know, mer mermaids have hair, especially to cover their naked breasts for PG movies released in the 80s. Or seashells for a kid's animated movie in the late 80s. But one of the best things that you can do if you're a mer person listening to this podcast because you're on shore for six days before you have to return back to the water is check out manscaped.com. Snatch up that performance package 4.0. Use the code at checkout, revisited, and you will get not only 20% off the performance package, which includes the lawnmower 4.0, the uh, incredible weed whacker, a free pair of boxers, which are actually pretty comfy, and some stuff for your junk. Uh, but again, men, women, the weed whacker and the trimmer, perfect for either sex or your species. If you're if you're a mere person, maybe maybe you're a, a hairy mere person, you know, and all that chest hair is just slowing you down. Too much drag in the water. Makos are outpacing you. Hop on up to the surface. Use the code revisited 20 percent off. And here's the best part for you people of Atlantis. If you're in Namor's category, speaking of Black Panther, maybe I should have done that segue, Jesse. <laughs> uh, or Namor. I'm not sure how they pronounce it in the MCU. Yet, because I haven't seen it, uh, you know, hop up to the surface, use the code revisited, 20% off and free shipping. They didn't say they wouldn't ship to Atlantis or the depths of the ocean. So, hey, use that loophole for your advantage. Again, use the code revisited, free shipping, 20% off, manscaped.com. Uh, no email since the last episode, which if you want to send us an email, 80srevisited at gmail.com on Facebook, 80srevisited podcast on Instagram, 80s underscore revisited and our shout outs as usual uh our friend john with the cage tour review and his podcast he started up i only saw one episode though so i need to check to make sure it's still if they're sticking with it and of course tcw jesse you see doom slayer's got a number one contender match coming up baby yeah yeah no seriously hey <laughs> kick some ass doomy yeah we believe in you get that gold uh and your new hey and that uh, ben I, I forgot i need to send ben because he sent me a shirt for christmas last year <laughs> and i haven't sent him a picture of me wearing it yet I, need to, I keep forgetting to take a picture when I'm wearing it. <laughs> Your new shirt's even awesome, even better, Ben. <laughs> so if if you win the title, you got to send me a shirt. <laughs> so if you don't want to send me a shirt, you're gonna have to you know take a dive or get screw jobbed out of it. Just kidding. But uh, yeah, check out TCW Tasmanian Championship Wrestling. If anything, for the sexy accents, but there's some hardworking people out there kicking ass and taking names, especially Doom Slayer. Got that number one contender match coming up, like I said, which could lead to a title shot which is extremely, extremely exciting. Uh, and we wish Ben, a.k.a. the Doomslayer, all the best. And keep it up, man. Like, that just, you know, you, uh, you, you gotta be, you, when your friends succeed you gotta, and fail, you gotta be proud of them regardless. And, you know, I've known, we've known Ben for a long time before he, when he started this journey upon becoming a wrestler. And, uh, goddamn, dude, like, seriously, like, great job, man. Like, 
it's you're you're get you're getting it you're getting it and like you know uh that gives me some motivation too to do stuff like oh ben's doing this even though he's younger than me ben <laughs> but it's like you know uh you know, it's 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 just it's it's amazing and very proud of you my friend keep it up win or lose do me you're the official wrestler of 80s revisited if i can if i'm allowed to say that without getting you know uh snuck up on you again we've had our differences but i think we both learned to love each other for who we are anyway without getting too mushy leave a review if you'd like uh all we ask is that if you leave a bad one just say why, but remember, if you're going to give instances of why it sucks, of why we suck, or why you don't like us, it's all recorded. We got receipts, bitch. So don't make <laughs> false claims on your reviews, because you will get called out for it. And if you leave a bad review, be sure to listen to the next episode after you do it, because we'll address it! Mm-hmm. So, uh, and also, kind of makes it kind of makes me feel good, because then, oh yeah, so you listened to it again, huh? You said you weren't going to listen to it anymore. Just kidding. Uh, that's facetiousness. <laughs> but anyway, everybody, until next, well, next week, we're still doing Thanksgiving because we're this after this year, Thanksgiving will become much like Turkey Day, the actual Thanksgiving, a one day kind of thing. If that makes sense, like we're doing it big this month, because honestly, as our good friend, the vet from Canada pointed out, Ryan, Dr. Ryan, uh, there has like a severe oversight has been done by me picking the movies for this podcast with the lack of Tom Hanks movies. Hmm. Absolutely. hundred percent. Uh, so we're rectifying that this month. And then from now on, Thanksgiving will always be our yearly celebration of Tom Hanks. So, uh, but next week we're going to, uh, actually next week is Thanksgiving, I believe, right? Let me check my calendar. Thanksgiving week, I should say, isn't it? Yep. Thanksgiving is next week. So we will give thanks for Tom Hanks playing opposite Dan Aykroyd in the television mo uh, movie based on a television show of Dragnet. Joe Friday and uh, oh, I forgot the, I forgot uh, Bill Gannon. Uh, I actually seen the movie. I know Aykroyd plays Joe Friday. I'm not sure if they kept Hank's character the same name because it's been forever since I've seen Dragnet. But if you ever want to know what Dra uh, Tom Hanks looked like in uh, Punk Attire, if I remember correctly, it's him. Maybe it's Aykroyd. Mm. I don't remember. I haven't seen him forever. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen this movie as long as I've seen Splash. So it's uh, I'm looking forward to watching it for the podcast for sure. But Jesse's double checking me here. So is was he Bill Gannon? Nope, he was Strayback. Strayback. So Dan Aykroyd was Joe Friday, but uh, oh, oh okay, oh okay. Again, I haven't seen him forever. Uh, Henry Morgan was in it as uh, the original Gannon, I guess. Mm. Again, I haven't seen him forever, so forgive me. I'll be fresh on it next week, though. Mm -hmm. You bet your ass on that. So, but next week, Dragnet. Uh, go up, Jesse. Uh, it's streaming oh, nowhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you're gonna have to uh, buy it on Blu-ray or check YouTube or give uh, Captain Jack Sparrow a call. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Dragnet next week, and then after that, only one more. But if you've watched, if you've seen the graphic for Thanksgiving, you know which one that one's gonna be. And if you haven't, slide on over to Instagram or Facebook. It's on there. So until next time, everybody, give Hanks, and I remain Trey Harris, Jesse Sedgley, Cowabunga! Cowabunga!